This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. We are on chapter 3 of the Ramban, Nachmanides, in uh, the uh, Igerit HaRamban, the letter he wrote to his son. And he tells us that anger is a barometer of a person's personality. It's not just one trait. It's a barometer of the whole personality. Because if there's a flaw of anger, the whole personality is out of whack. So it's not just one thing. It's one of the foundations of the personality. And that's what Mishnah says. You know, a person, three things which are fundamentals of the personality. What are the fundamentals of personality? person's pocketbook, how generous he is with his money, how not generous, miserly, what he spends his money on, Kiso. Koso, how much he drinks, what does he drink for? Is he happy when the Knicks win, or he's happy when Israel wins? Uh, he's happy for a Siyum, Shas, or he's happy for something else? Kiso. And Kaso, anger. What, is a, what makes a person angry? So small things, big things, important things, not important things, Jewish things, not Jewish things. What? What makes him angry? So, a person who loses his temper is more than just that flaw of the temper. The temper is a sign of something bigger. It's a symptom of something bigger. So certain symptoms, a doctor will tell you, a temperature, a fever, it's more a sign of something else going on. So too, the anger of a person is symptomatic of something bigger, something more major. So when a person loses his temper frequently, he loses rational sense. And therefore, a person can have a breakdown between him and Hashem. He loses his connection to Hashem when he's breaking down his temper. He's breaking down completely. And therefore, the Gemara says in Shabbat 105, a person who gets angry, it's like he worshipped anger, idolatry. It's like he worshipped idolatry. So, it's a famous Gemara here. This is a beautiful Gemara. The Gemara discusses, the Mishnah discusses the laws of smashing something. If you smash something on Shabbat, are you liable from the Torah or from the rabbis? Rabbis. It depends. If you're smashing in order to fix from the Torah. If you're not smashing for the sake of smashing, rabbis. Okay. So I smashed down a building in order to build a new one over there. From the Torah. I threw it from the Torah. It's forbidden from the Torah. If I smash it down for the sake of smashing, rabbis. The kids come and they trash the building. That's also from the rabbis. But they trash it in order to build... From the Torah. I'll start from the Torah. So the Mishnah asks, what about a person who smashes something in his anger? Or he rips his clothes because one of his relatives passed away. He's ripping his clothes out of mourning, sorrow. Is he liable from the Torah or liable from the rabbis? Torah. Torah, excellent. Why? Because he's not rebuilding. He's fixing. What is he fixing? He's fixing his feelings. He's fixing his feelings. So let's see the Gemara over here. The Gemara is in... 105b. So the Gemara says, this is according to Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi, Rabbi Shimon says, Patur. Rabbi Yehuda says, Chayav, why is he liable? Why is he liable? So Rabbi Yehuda holds, Malach Hashem Asricha Lugufa Chayav Aleha. A person makes a, does something which is not, not needed for its purpose, is nevertheless liable. Because something else comes out of it. Okay, so... So therefore, it's like he's fixing over here. Right? He's satisfying his evil inclination. Imagine. When he's smashing something in his anger, his evil inclination is pacified. He's fixing his evil inclination. And similarly, when a person is ripping his clothes for mourning, he's also calming himself down. He's pacifying himself. 
But is it allowed to do that? Are you allowed to smash something in anger? So when I ask the question, what do you mean? You know, Mishnah says if he smashes in anger, he's liable. Okay. So uh, who says he's allowed to do it in the first place? That's the Gemara's question. How do we know? Shema Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri. Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri says, "Hakorei bigdo b'chamato." A person tears his garments in his anger. Rameshabek kelab b'chamato. He rips his, he smashes his vessels in his anger. Rameshabek mauta b'chamato. Or he scatters his money in his anger. Yehei be'enecha kovid avodazara. Let it be in your eyes like a person who is performing idolatry. Scary, right? It's scary to see, to witness a guy go berserk, mm. start smashing things in his anger. It happens all the time in marriage situations, unfortunately, because that's where the biggest tensions are. The guy goes home, he's exhausted, his wife is uh, 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 house is a big mess, and the kids are running around, and he, can't, he loses it, loses it. starts throwing plates around, cups around, nuts, goes nuts. He's like an idolater. Why? What do you mean he didn't do idolatry? Why idolatry did he do? It's a slippery slope. The Gemara says of yesterday. Today the Yitzhara says, do this, and he does it. Tomorrow the Yitzhara will say, do this, and he does it. Until the Yitzhara says, go do worship idols, and he'll go. It's a slippery slope. So in other words, once you lose control, it's going to get worse and worse, and worse until you rein yourself in. A person has to rein in their feelings. That's to control their temper. It's so hard to control temper. So one says, you know, I control my temper five years, six years, ten years, I control my temper. One day, boom, and he goes. Right? So the Quran says, where's the Pasuk? Which Pasuk are you basing yourself on? You should not have in you a strange God, and nor should you bow to an alien God. Okay, you shouldn't. It's in Psalm eighty-one. So, who is this strange God in you? How? 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 Instead of getting the Yitzhara to, to work for him, he's working for the Yitzhara. He's bowing down to the Yitzhara. He's obedient to the Yitzhara. So, Kabbalah can say, whenever he worships Zavodazara, whenever he's, whenever he's giving in to his Yitzhara, he's worshipping Zavodazara. Scary. However, by tearing one's close to Kula's anger, what constructive act is it? So we said he's calming down his passions. That's number one. The Quran says another reason. He's trying to do it in order to put fear, discipline into his household. His kids are running amok. His wife doesn't listen to him anymore. He wants to show them a bit of temper to put the them under control again. It's interesting now. It comes, he gives us some examples of rabbis who would show that they lost their temper to put fear in their households. Purposely. But they were under control. They're under control. But they want to show. Look at this. It's scary. Rabbi Huda, he had Rabbi Huda, Shalif Matsyaviata. He pulled off the border of a garment. He ripped off the border of the garment to show his displeasure in his house. <gasps> daddy, what did Daddy do? <gasps> Rabbi Achabar Yaakov broke broken utensils. <laughs> Smart guy. Because he's in control. It's already smashed. They smashed him. 
Rav Sheshet, Rami Leil, Amte, Midyana, Aresha. Rav Sheshet threw fish brine at the head of his mates of it. He's not listening to his orders. Threw his fish brine at him. Don't try that on your way Rabbi Abba, Taba, Nachmata. Rabbi Abba broke off the lid of a pitcher. So all these cases, even though he did it on Shabbat, he is liable. Why? Because he's, he's trying to teach a lesson with it. He's trying to teach a lesson that's fixing, that's, that's purposeful. So he's, he's smashing in order to fix. He's, what, what's he fixing? He's fixing uh, all of him in the house. He's fixing his, his, uh, his self-esteem in the house. Hopefully. Maybe yes, maybe not. Is he still liable if it doesn't work? What do you mean it doesn't work? Because it didn't fix anything. Good question. Today it probably wouldn't work. Today then. Let's say he's crazy. He's gone nuts. Let's call the police. You know, that's what happened today. Don't try it today. So even if you're pretending. But in schools, you have situation. You, you have to lose. You have to lose. Show your losing temper. We're going to see the rumble. Interesting rumble. And then we talk about the case of ripping clothes. Rabbi Shimon ben Pasi said, Rabbi Shimon ben Levi. The name of Bar Kapara. Whoever prays, whoever cries for a righteous person, Hashem counts the tears and places in his storehouse. Very, very precious. Okay, so we see over here that in both cases, the person is fixing. So he's fixing his anger, he's fixing his temper, he's fixing his, his uh, passions, or he is creating a situation of awe and respect in the house. So he's fixing something. So let's move on to the laws of Shabbat here. So this is Rambam, laws of Shabbat. Rambam says, So we know the famous case, a person rips his clothes in order to stitch. Two stitches. He is considered guilty of fixing. But if he's ripping his clothes in order to waste them, he is destroying and therefore he is liable for the rabbis. Then it continues. A person rips his clothes with his anger. Well, mate, or on a dead person, that he has to mourn for. He's liable. Why? He's pacifying his mind. He's releasing his emotions, and now he's calm. So therefore, he's liable. We are noach and he calms down his passions. So he's fixing his anger. Now his anger has subsided. So you just fixed yourself by subsiding the anger. Amazing. And therefore he's liable. His anger subsided, he is liable. That's a, that's a wrong. So it's halakha. Halakha is a person who loses his temper and smashes things by losing his temper. He fixes himself. He's fixing himself. A person rips his clothes because he's mourning. He fixes himself. And therefore he is liable on ripping. Which is normally he's not liable. He's not liable from the rabbis. Over here is liable from the Torah. Amazing, huh? Let's move on to the Rambam over here in Yisodei Torah. This is, sorry, Hechodeot. The Rambam Hechodeot talks about the traits, the character traits. So he says, generally speaking, a person should be always in the middle. The character traits. Don't be too happy. Don't be too sad. Don't be too generous. Don't be too mean. And then he says, there's two traits. You've got to be on the extreme. What are these two traits? Number one. And there are certain traits a person should not even be a medium in the in the medium. He should go from one end to another end, to one extreme to another extreme. Number one is Gobe Lev. Gava. Pride. Because we should be very humble. 
so hard to be humble. But it says, I am the greatest. Right? No, Hashem does. Says, oh, I'm the greatest. You're, you're not the greatest. You're going to be out of here. So, She'en derech ana A person shouldn't just be humble. Look at this. The person should be very, very, extremely humble. Psh. says, keep away from extremes. Humility says, extremely humble. Psh. So hard to be extremely humble. So as we said, what is humility? Humility is saying, I'm great, but Hashem is what backing me. Hashem is behind me. Hashem is the one doing everything. I know I can do it, but only because Hashem gave me the power. Hashem is behind me. And therefore, Moshe Rabbeinu was, it says by Moshe Rabbeinu, Anav me'od me'koradam, Moshe Rabbeinu was the most humble person around. Why? Because that's, that's what you should be. We should model ourselves Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu wasn't going to an extreme. He was the ideal. Anav me'od me'koradam. Well, didn't they, wasn't there a story about Moshe Rabbeinu with his, uh, with his flock of sheep? Mm-hmm. With the lamb? Yes. But that doesn't prove his humility. Yeah, we're talking about humility. That proves he's a good shepherd. And that's why Hashem chose him to be a shepherd of, of the people of Israel. Okay. The job of the shepherd is to run after the guys, the kids, the, the, the ones who are weak. Mm-hmm. And so keep the strong from attacking them. In the case where he murdered the uh, Egyptian. Egyptian, is that a sign of anger or humility? Very good. So number one, is saving life. Right. Number two, the rabbis say he didn't murder anyone. He said the name of God. <laughs> and he died. <laughs> he didn't kill him physically. So are you allowed to do that? The answer is preventing murder. You have to prevent murder. Did he do it with anger? Doesn't say he got angry. Doesn't say he got angry. Sometimes he gets angry. And that's when he hit the rock. That's the problem. Rambam says that was his punishment. His punishment. He hit the rock. That was the problem. The problem was he lost his temper. Mm. Rambam. That's Rambam's opinion. What does Rambam say that? Rambam says in his book, eight, uh, The Eight Chapters. Rambam wrote a commentary on Pirkei Avot called The Eight Chapters. And over there he says, Moshe Rabbeinu lost his temper and that's why he was punished. But normally he was, listen, he lost the temple once in 40 years. Not bad, when all these people are driving him nuts. Huh? Not bad, huh? It was directions. Yeah, they got him upset. They triggered the wrong things. I don't say he was just humble, he says he was very humble from all other people. And therefore the rabbis commanded us, be very, very humble. Whoever raises his heart is proud. He denies God. Why? I'm bigger than God. I'm bigger than God. Shreemah says in the Torah, You will raise your heart and you will forget the Lord your God. Right? Bar Kokhva, he says, Hashem, I don't need your help. Imagine. Just don't help my enemies. Big mistake. Hashem, I don't need your help. Worst thing you can say. Hashem, we need your help more than ever. That's what we need to say. We need your help, Hashem, non-stop. Never-ending. We need your help so much. We can't do anything without your help. We need your help. See how the Shemaya. That's why some people write Bet Samach Dalet on the piece of paper when they write something. Bet the with the grace of God, with the help of Hashem. We, we need Hashem's help all the time. V'chera Similarly, anger. So, pride and anger. It's a very, very bad trait. A person should be very careful to go to the other extreme. What's the other extreme? And should teach himself not to get angry even on things which you should get angry. 
But if he wants to put respect into his children, the community, he's the head of the community, and he wants to get angry with them, in order that they should come back to doing the right things, he should appear before them as if he's angry. But inside, he should be just calm. So hard to do. But inside, he should be calm. So hard to do. You've got to act. If you want to be a good educator, you got to put on a good act. Very simple. And the kids are not be able to know that you're acting. Because the trouble is, once you show you're angry, it slowly triggers anger. That's the trouble. So there's got to be calm inside. Learn the trick. How to stay calm inside and show temper. It's as if he's getting angry at the time he's angry. Well, who ain't a quest? Well, really, he's not angry. Can you? This is what the rabbi said that he's quoting the Gwan in Shabbat. Whoever gets angry is as if they're worshipping idols. Which idol is he worshipping? The Yetzirah himself. He's worshipping his own Yetzirah. If he's a wise man, his wisdom goes away. If he's a, if he's a prophet, his prophecy goes away like Moshe Rabbeinu. And the per- person who has a bad temper, his life is not alive. It's not worth living. He's always angry. Perpetual anger. I'm angry. This one, angry. This one. Burning him up inside. And therefore, the rabbi said, keep away from anger until the edge of anger. And therefore, a person should not feel angry even for big things. It's very hard to get to that level. Okay, so two things. If I was going to keep away to the extreme, one is pride and one is anger. When a person consistently loses temper, he loses rational sense. And that's why it's like you worship idols. When a person becomes unrestricted, he approaches idolatry. Unable to think clearly, the person lost in fury loses perspective. The crooked path appears straight, the forbidden seems visible, insults, quarreling, and slander are very close. Because anger can say bad things about this one, bad things about that one. Anger leads to slander, leads to quarreling. So even though the person is normally a sensitive person, a decent person, you see the guy, you believe it. The angry person may, in his fury, even humiliate other people publicly, and that's the worst thing he can do, is humiliate someone publicly. Mm. Because why? He's no longer guided by reason. He loses the rational. Because angry, they lose their rational abilities, they get emotional, they lose their rational abilities, and they can do even the worst things. Eliyahu Navi says, says in Brachot, if you never come to anger, you will never come to sin. So one of the causes of sin is anger. So when somebody does that, like in ancient times, so did you, did the Jewish courts go ahead and um, use that as a um, as as a reference? It depends. If he does something and it's angry, and it, yes. It committed if he didn't do anything, he just got angry. He didn't do anything. Went into a room, takes the, he smashes some plates in, in his own room. Doesn't go outside. Doesn't talk to anyone. He just smashes his own plates. So he's available to Zarah, but he didn't affect anyone, Baruch Hashem. So you can't take him to court. He's damaging his own property in his own room. But if he gets involved with other people and he shows temper, he causes a ruckus, all kinds of things can happen. Police are arresting people non-stop because of that. Road rage. Crazy. People go crazy. go bananas. They jump on the car. There's a case in Israel, in Afula, just last week. She honked at him. She She was late for school and he's blocking her. Pick up a kid. She's like a little hunk. 
gets out of his car, goes into her car and smashes out her face. Smacking her. Non-stop. They caught him. He's at the airport trying to get out. I don't, we don't know who it is. They won't say who it is. For the second time, the same day. The first time he attacked a policeman, right? Lunatics. I don't know. No. In Israel, can imagine. So it's a very, some people are very angry. It's terrible to lose one's temper. And you know what? When you lose your temper, you lose everything. You lose everything. You lose your self-esteem. You lose your self-control. You lose your self-respect. And unfortunately, you have to show it sometimes. You know, if people don't take you seriously, that's the problem. Especially at schools. You know, show something, they don't have to take you seriously. You have to be able to. But if you can do it in a calm way, managing a classroom, it's chokhmah. It's called classroom management. There's a whole, there's a whole course you have to take in classroom management. How do you keep order in a classroom? So we talked about this famous story. Sefer Hasidim says the man was very respectful to his father. The father says, my son, before I die, I want you to promise me when you lose your temper, sleep over it. Sleep over it. Don't do anything in a rash. Wait one night. So he promised his father. And he gets married, leaves his wife to a business trip, and he gets lost for 20 years. He comes back and he sees this young man hugging his wife. He wants to kill them both. He remembers what he promised his father. He sleeps over the night and he finds out it's his son mm. hugging his mother. Oh. He's going to kill them both. He killed his wife and his child. He's going to kill his whole family. So therefore, by remembering this, you want to get angry? Hold it in. Sleep over it. That's the best remedy. And also, if you're dealing with us, an anger, angry person, I learned this from my rabbi in Israel, or a Kassar, amazing. Someone's angry, he says, I can't talk to you right now. Calm down and come back to me. So now the guy's boiling. Really, boiling up and boiling with anger. I can't talk to you right now. <laughs> it's the best policy. I can't talk to you in this state because you're out of it today. But here, don't say, I can't talk to you now. My policy is I don't talk to anyone with anger. Very simple. And very effective. Very, very effective. Because mm-hmm. when the guy says, he won't talk to me, and no point in shouting him. Like, he won't talk to me. So anger is very evil. Anger does not remain inside itself. It affects those who live around it as well. Shlomo Merach says in Mishle, chapter 22, don't associate with a person with a bad temper. Unless you learn from his ways and you endanger your soul. Anger is contagious. You see a, a person with a bad temper, you'll get it as well. You'll also learn from him. And one's anger can also bring other people to sin. It's a famous Gemara over here, Gitin. It talks about Pelegesh Begivah. You heard of Pelegesh Begivah? It's a crazy case in Jewish history of a man who had a Pelegesh, which is similar to a wife. But let's not go into what is a Pelegesh, because it's a complicated figure. Machloket, Rambam, Ravad. He has a wife, and the wife ran away from him. And she goes to her father's house, and then he goes and tries to pacify her and him, and say, listen, I want my wife back, give me my wife back. So the question is, what happened over there? How, why did she run away from him? So Rabbi Yata says, she ran away from him. Why? Because he found a, a fly in his food. And he went berserk. Right? So she ran away from him. 
saw her getting angry and she ran. She was so scared. She ran back to her father's house. That's one of them. Rabbi Yonatan says he found a hare. And that caused him to be angry with her. What's worse, to find a hare in your soup or to find a fly in your soup? Fly. Fly. No. Hare. Why is a hare worse? A fly, you can't help it. fly flew into the soup. It's not your fault. But a hare came from her. You've got to be more careful. They make the weight. The people wear the chefs wear the hats. The head doesn't fall in the soup. <laughs> so fly, it's not her fault. Maybe the fly dropped in and the fly. I thought you meant on the eating part. Well, yeah, you're right. Hundred <laughs> percent. Eating a fly is much worse than eating a hair. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Fly is could be four or five lavib different uh, laws. But uh, but what's worse for the woman, a fly or a hair in the soup? So there's a big machlokat over here where the hair was, but let's not get into that. Let's just say it was in the soup, Baruch Hashem. <laughs> okay. I'm not going to talk about it right now. Okay. But there's other opinions. It wasn't in the soup, it was somewhere else. And now what happens? Who is right? Rabbi Yatar met Eliyahu Navi. Rabbi Yatar asked him, what is Hashem doing now? And Eliyahu Navi says, he is busy in the sugya of Pilegish Rigiba. He's discussing this case exactly. And Rabbi Yatar says, what is he saying? And Eliyahu Navi says, God is saying, if Yatar, my son, says this, and Yonatan, my son, says this. If Yatar says it was a, a fly, and Yonatan says it was a hair. So, Rabbi Yatar says, what is it, a doubt? There's a doubt in heaven. Of course, Hashem knows. So he says, you know what? They're both right. But what happened was, First, he had the fly in the soup. He didn't get angry. Don't get angry with fly in the soup. But inside, he's thinking. Maybe she's careless. And then he found the hair and he blew up. They're both right. Why? First, he found the fly and then he found the hair. And that's why he got angry. So, Gemara asked, why did he become angrier at the, at the, fly, at the hair than the fly? I'm going to be look at the analysis of it. Rabbi says, Zvubakara, the fly in the soup. You can't help it. The fly flies in. Nima, but a hair. The fly was really disgusting, but hair is now a sign of. Uh, what a, okay. You can look at this tomorrow later on. Others say, no, it was both in the plate. Let's go to this other opinion. Okay, one opinion says the hair was in a different place. Both the fly and the hair were found in the plate. So a fly is an accident. But a hair was carelessness. That's why he blew up when he found the hair. So what does the Gemara learn from here? A very, very important rule. A person should not put too much fear into his household. Every small thing, he blows up. Everything is more than he blows up. He comes home from Shur on Friday night. Where's the food? Not ready. Where's the table? No, 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 no. Screams. He's causing excessive fear. And that led to... Tens of thousands of Jews dying for Pelagish Mediba. She ran away from her husband. She comes back and eventually, you know, a story and leads to a civil war between the tribe of Binyamin and the other tribes. And there's thousands and thousands of people died because of that. Because of the fear he put into it. Rabbi says the name of Rav. A person who instills excessive fear in his household. He comes to violate three major transgressions. Gilui Arayot. He'll have forbidden relations with who? The answer is his wife, 
for some reason, didn't go to the mikvah. So he comes home. Why did you go to the mikvah? Wait, 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 screams at her, shouts at her. Next time she's going to, even if she doesn't go, she's going to say she went. And he'll have relations with her and she's nida. So he's going to transgress Gidu Eroi. It was too cold to go. It's freezing. So in those days, you go in a cold stream in the middle of winter. So she can't tell him the truth. It's too cold. My husband, I don't understand. I'll go tomorrow and I'll go when it warms up, whatever. He'll scream at her. So she said, I went. And he'll sleep with her. And he'll transgress in laws of Gilario, of uh, uncovering nakedness of uh, Nida, even though she's his wife. Number two, Shvichud Damim. He'll transgress bloodshed. <clears throat> Maybe she'll run away in a panic from her husband and she'll fall to death. She'll trip over and she'll... She's running away from him and he's... She's, she's so scared she's running away and she won't see where she's looking and she'll fall and she'll, she'll die. Terrible. And lastly, Chilul Shabbat. It will lead to Chilul Shabbat. Why? She knows if he comes home and he doesn't find his food ready, he's going to go berserk. So she'll cook on Shabbat. He's going to cause her to break Shabbat. He's going to cause her to die. He's going to cause her to sleep with him when she's leader. Amazing, huh? Mm-hmm. So too much fear. But so what about the? the, the so we did we did every Friday night Mishnah. Mishnah says, and remember the kid every Friday night we do this. When a person on Friday night he has to say three things in his house. Is do you separate maser? ten, did you make an eruv? He licked it in there and light the candle. So the Quran says, say it nicely and calmly. Don't say it with an anger. Look at this. Amazing. Just, should say this calmly. That the people should accept it from him. Because don't scream at them, otherwise it's going to cause havoc. In mm-hmm. Yeah, halavai. Yeah. So it says, Betokhbet, to his house. A person should say these things inside his house. It shouldn't be too loud. They should be heard outside the house. You know the joke? The joke is, first year of marriage, the wife listens to her husband. The second year of, of marriage, the husband listens to his wife. The third year of marriage, they both talk and the neighbors are listening. <laughs> it's a joke, but it's true. <laughs> They're both talking and the neighbors are listening. So the person's got to be very, very careful not to show anger in the house. Rashi says, a woman who, a wife who lives in fear of her husband may, in order to protect herself, come to light candles or finish cooking after the onset of Shabbat. So he's causing her to sin. He's causing himself also to get involved sinning. Okay. Now we come to this concept of a person who gets angry is like he worshipped idolatry. What does it mean? So we have one answer is, the idolatry is he's worshipping his own Yetzirah. He can't control his Yetzirah. He control his evil inclination. And whoever flares up in anger, call me ne Gehinam Shotim. All kinds of Gehinam have power over him. What does that mean? All kinds of Gehinam have power over him. So first explanation is Rabbeinu Nisim. Rabbeinu Nisim is a commentary on the Gemara. The run. Usually it's in the back of the Gemara on the riff. Rabbi Yitzhak Kapasi. But in the Darim... There's no Rashi. There's no the Rashi we know. It says Rashi, but no one learns it in Yeshiva. They say it's not really Rashi. You can tell by the length it's not Rashi. And so on one side they put the Rosh, on the other side they put the Ran. The Ran is also on the, on the side of the page. 
So Ron says in the Darim, a person who surrenders to his rage, it leads to loss of self-control, leads to loss of restraint, and leads to a sever- severing the bond of belief in Hashem. And then he's open now to devastating consequences of sin, which is Gehinam. Gehinam is a consequence of sin. So by losing his temper, losing his self-control, he's opening himself up to more sins. When he more sins, more sins, more sins, he's in Gehinam. Rabbi Levavitz, Rabbi Yurcham, he was the Mashkiach of Mir Yeshiv. Rabbi Yurcham Levavitz, very, very famous. You had his grandson, or you had his son? His grandson. Also, his teacher was his grandson. Really? Rabbi He was an old man already, so because you see, his grandfather was a Mir Yeshiva. Very, very famous. And his merit really carried the Yeshiva through. Rabbi Him and Rabbi Hamish Mulevich. Miracles, miracles, miracles. How they escaped from Lithuania. The only Yeshiva that escaped completely from the Holocaust. Wow. And where did they go? Shanghai. There was a Sephardic man in Shanghai, a very rich man. He had a dream. In 1933, build a big shul. His father came to him in his dream. Build a big shul, because a lot of people are coming. Empty. Shanghai is empty. It's hardly any Jews there. He builds a big shul. When the Mir Shiva gets there, they find it's exactly the same amount of seats as they had. People wow. got applied. It's a miracle. Really, that whole yeshiva had tremendous siyatashmaya. Tremendous siyatashmaya. Two yeshiva escaped. One yeshiva, Slobodka. They moved to Hebron. It's good and bad, but they got caught in the 929 riots in Hebron. So they had about 30 people, but the whole yeshiva survived, and today it's called Yeshiva Hebron. If you go to Yeshiva Hebron and give up Mordechai, amazing yeshiva. One of the, I tell you, it's one of the top yeshiva. I hold it's one of the top yeshiva, because my rabbis came from there. I know that. They knew that. That was in Yerushalayim. Huh? That was in Yerushalayim. Yeah, give it to Mordechai, Yerushalayim. Nice. And when Hebron was conquered, don't forget. And go by the Jordanians in Makhshamon. They moved to Yerushalayim. Terrific yeshiva, terrific, really terrific yeshiva. There's the old Slobodka. So Slobodka and Mir survived. Two big yeshiva survived. Well, was Slobodka in Lithuania also? Yeah, Slobodka moved. They moved to Hebron. They made Aliyah. The Vilnagon said many hundreds of years ago, he said, move away from here. It's going to be a murder over here. Go, go to Israel. Him and the Baal Shem, was interesting, even though they clashed. They both said the same thing to their followers. Go to Israel. Wish more people listened. Mm-hmm. They, they've all survived. They've to Israel. It's interesting, I was reading Rav Shach's story. He went to find out. He wants to move to Israel. He goes to a great rabbi, I can't say who. I want to move to Israel. He says, you're crazy. It's like a wilderness over there. So he survived and the other guys didn't. Mm-hmm. He thought Israel was a wilderness. So, make it into a Ghana then. You make it into a Ghana Anyway, it's tragic, tragic how people lost their lives. There was no clear guidance. There was no clear guidance. That's trouble. Rabbi Yerucham says, through anger, the pain of Gainam becomes real even in this world. The burning emotions of anger, depression, frustrations are hell in this world. There's the hell of one's own creation in this world because you can't control himself. He's angry all the time. He's in hell. He's in a hell of his own making. Horrible. But sometimes we create our hell, heaven mm-hmm. and we can create our own hells. It's all perspective. Imagine. Mm-hmm. A person can be enjoying life and a person can be saying it's hell. Like today. I pass this guy on the street. This guy says, this is my kind of weather. He's in heaven. <laughs> and I guy say, hey, it's hell over here. It's 100 degrees. <laughs> all perspective. <laughs> you know, it could be worse. It could be better. It could be... Don't 
dwell on it, don't go crazy about it. Number three, the greatest danger of a hostile disposition. It prevents others from offering constructive criticism. No one wants to criticize a guy who always gets angry and criticizing. And what's going to happen? No criticism. He's going to do worse and worse and worse and worse. He's, not, he's going to go to hell eventually. That's the third explanation. The fourth explanation. This is Sefer Haredim. He writes, The delicate soul, a celestial fragment of the Almighty, cannot tolerate anger. The Neshama is talking about. So it's Nefesh, Ruach, Neshama. When a person succumbs to uncontrollable rage, his soul departs, leaving behind a deathly vacuum. Kind of spiritual suicide. Mm. And you feel it. You feel this. The person's going to be sensitive to know when the Neshama is there, when the Neshama is not there. It's a sensitivity. So you feel it sometimes. Sometimes you feel spiritual, sometimes you don't feel spiritual. But did something, you feel, I lost something. I lost something. One who surrenders to anger is committing a suicide. He writes further. If one lost a beautiful flower, we madness for him to react by breaking a precious object worth thousands of times more than the small flower. Similarly, first the person loses his temper, and that shatters his peace of mind. The peace of mind is worth thousands and thousands of dollars. A commodity far more precious than relatively trivial loss which triggered his anger. So he lost something, he got angry. But that anger ruined his peace of mind. And that peace of mind, money can't buy that peace of mind. So that's hell. That's hell on earth. The person who has no peace of mind is in hell. In a sense. So, so true. It's so... Rabbi Shah Salanta, look at this story, this is an amazing story. Rabbi Shah Salanta. Rabbi Shah Salanta was the founder of the Muslim movement. He's a very big Baal Musar himself. So he was living in Berlin, and a visitor came and visited him. One of his students came to visit him and said, saw him very upset. He said, Rabbi, why are you so upset? So he says, I went to the local Beit Midrash, and I used to study over there, and today I saw they're making changes. And those changes drove me mad. So the visitor says, are the changes that bad? He said, no. Nevertheless, I felt anger. I saw the changes, I felt some anger. Did you speak to anyone about that? I won't speak to anyone when I'm angry. <laughs> no one but myself knew of my anger. But when a person gets angry, he says, he's worshipping idols. I don't want to be in that position. So since I have felt some anger, he's judging himself. He's a great man, a great man. I felt anger when I shouldn't have felt anger. Oh, yeah. So even though he controlled himself, he didn't do anything about it, he still felt guilty that I got angry. Very high level. This is very high level. Because says, you know, I had anger and I controlled it. I feel good about myself. No! The fact that I felt it in the first place, there's a failing over here. That's yeah. what he said. But he's a very, you know, halavai, we can control ourselves and not show it. And pat yourself on the back. We're not Rabbi Shah Salanta, so we So it's a very important idea, this idea of not losing temper. We just want to finish off on this. A philosopher once commented, most men endure lives of quiet frustration. So true, boy. A lot of people are just frustrated. Why? I wish I got that job. This guy got promoted over me, and this one's the millionaire, and this one's this, and I'm a failure, and I'm frustrated in my life. My wife doesn't listen to me. My children don't listen to me. I'm failed with this one. I failed with that one. I'm frustrated. 
even though a person may be look good, looks like they have composure, inside their mind is a turmoil, there's a turmoil going on inside. Their hearts overflow a bit of disappointment. You know what? I can think of back in my life. I wish I bought that house, I wish I invested over here, I wish I did this, I wish I did that. Everyone has something inside. Mm-hmm. So sometimes one doesn't sleep. I missed this opportunity. I wish I married that woman. I wish I married this one. Oh, it's it never ends. You know why? Because you're still alive. That's a sign you're alive. <laughs> if everything ended, the person would be dead. But these tests are there non-stop. A person who has no test is dead. But the tests keep on going. The Yetzirah is active. And the Yetzirah told the you know, I remember the famous story of Chavis Chaim is very old, 80 years old, and he's cold outside, and he say, and the Yisra comes to him and says, you're an old man, just go back to sleep, don't get up from me, it's too cold outside. And he told the Yisra, he says, you're older than me, and you're up already. Yeah. You have to look for the Yisra. You don't give up on me, I don't give up either. I'm not going to give up. If you don't give up on me, I'm not going to give up. So the Gemara says, no person is free of sin. Although Hashem has no mercy on those who are thoroughly evil, He acts with compassion towards the bulk of mankind. Instead of overwhelming transgressors with devastating blows, God allows them to experience the consequences of sin gradually and over time. And Hashem gives them a little punishment here, a little punishment there, a little punishment there, a little punishment there, to avoid them from going into a deeper pit. And the Quran says, if a person goes 40 days without experiencing any pl- pain or discomfort, they should be concerned. They're getting the reward in this world. Imagine, 40 days. I've never had 40 days in my life without pain or discomfort. Was, right now, it's very uncomfortable. Right, go outside. right now, it's great. You know, right? mm-hmm. Shh, fantastic. <laughs> Just step outside. Not for you, not for you. <laughs> so a person who doesn't have discomfort in this world, for 40 days, better worry. Start worrying. I'm getting my payment in this world and I don't have no alarm about boy. Mm. So all these things that happen, all the worries a person has, all the turmoils inside, it's really a punishment for Hashem. But we can overcome him because we create our own Gehinam. That's right, like a Gehinam. The person's in a Gehinam. Right? Amen, amen. 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 Yeah, we do. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.